today is my, 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 second, my second Father's Day. Um, my son is 17 months old, and uh, he, is, he will be the one in the lobby running around with the shirt that says, I love dad jokes, because he is one of the few people to think I'm funny. And uh, I am okay with that, Jonathan. You will understand that soon. Um, but, uh, but it didn't always, uh, it isn't always easy. I know, I know, I know that I know many of us in this room, but being a father is not an easy thing all the time. Um, I heard one uh, author podcaster say it this way: that, that parenting is uh, is the discipline of of bringing all of your anxieties to the table and still letting God work through them. Um, it's it what being a parent it, it is at times. We bring our our insecurities. We bring our, our anxieties, we bring all of the stuff that we know we have to the table and we say, God, would you still please work through me to make sure we don't just keep these kids alive, but like that they turn into God-fearing people. And uh, it's, not, it's not easy because uh, we don't always see ourselves the way that God sees us. We don't, always, we don't always call ourselves the things that God calls us. We don't always... Uh, have the identity that God has given us. It's just, it just doesn't always happen sometimes, but I am encouraged every day as I get into the Word, as I spend time with Jesus, that He reminds me of who I am. He reminds me of who I am in spite of what the, the, you know, my yesterday told me. He tells me who I am in spite of what other people have taught me. He tells me who I am in spite of what I tell myself at times. And today we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about that. And if you were to write something down, uh, you can just write down this one phrase. Uh, it's, our Father is always calling us to live up to our true identity. Our Father in heaven is always calling us to live up to, meaning... He's pulling us up, meaning we don't always measure up, meaning, meaning it's not something we naturally do. He is pulling us up to who we really are in Christ. And, and so we're going to talk about that today, but before we talk about that, let's, let's pray. Father, we, uh, we know how much we need you, and we know how much we, uh, we depend on your strength. We depend on your goodness. We depend on your knowledge. God, your, your ability to cover up our weaknesses. God, as we go into your word today, I pray that we would, we would know, Lord God, what you are saying about us, Lord God, and that there would be a shift in our hearts to see with greater perspective. God, to live life with a broader perspective of who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Well, uh, like I said, my, uh, I've got a 17-month-old a son. His name is Jonathan, and the way we came to that name was a little bit different than maybe other people have come up with the name for their child. Uh, for us in our story, uh, we, we had been two years into um, not being able to have kids, and it wasn't like a, uh, hey, you're really trying, but it just not happened. It was, there was some medical stuff that we knew it's not going to be impossible, but it's, it's going to be difficult. And with, uh, with a journey like that, maybe some of you have, uh, have experienced that, there is every emotion that you could think of that is flooding your soul on, on, on any given day. And sometimes you wake up and you're angry. And, and sometimes you wake up and you're depressed. And 
Other days you wake up and you're questioning uh, God and your life and, and, and did, is, it, is it me, Lord? And you're having those Job moments where you're, am I just a sinner and you're punishing me? And you have all of these, and sometimes they just come all in one day. And uh, one of those days where uh, it was very difficult for us, we, my wife and I, we just took our Bibles. We went down to Riverfront Park because it was one of the 15 days of sun that we get every year. And we decided we'll take advantage of that and uh, we're going to do our devotions in, in the park. That day, the reading plan was John chapter 1, and uh, it's the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah. And if you don't know the story, it's a story of a, an older couple who was found serving in the house of God, and yet there is still this deep desire within their heart that they would have a child. And while uh, Zechariah kind of gets his, his day in the spotlight going into the synagogue, uh, he has this encounter with God, and God says, I'm going to give you uh, a child. And and then they, uh, they named their kid John. We named our kid Jonathan because it's also sort of a family name. But there was this, there was this moment where I'm reading this and the presence of God comes and I, I know that he's, he's talking to me. I find myself writing kind of what I feel like he's saying to me and he's saying, I'm going to give you a son first. And, and I want you to name him Jonathan. And I want you throughout his life to begin to just pray through the life of John the Baptist. And I want you to, you might not know exactly why you're doing this at times, but I want you to just take these instructions and, and kind of run with them. And there's this moment where, uh, where you write these things down and, and you're, you're equally excited and terrified at once. I don't know if you've had a moment where God spoke to you and, and had those moments, but uh, I, I look up and kind of wait for Katie to, uh, my, Katie's my wife, and uh, wait for, for her to uh, finish her devos and, there's this moment with like, do I tell her what I just heard? Because we're trying to avoid any conversation of this struggle that we're having, and we're trying to not dig up all of the emotions that come with it, but, but I had this moment, and so I tell her, and we, we file it under that, that part of your brain that's like, if it's God, it's going to happen, and if it's not, we can't force it. And, and about a year and a half later, we find ourselves... Uh, meeting up with, with a, a couple who's wanting to, sh the, the lady's pregnant and they're wanting to give up their kid for adoption. And um, the journey is, 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 it's just a God moment where he's bringing, um, he brought us together and we're, we're sitting in this room and it, it's super awkward. I'm not going to lie. Like, you don't know what to say. It's like, uh, the only way I could describe it is, is it's the worst first Tinder date that you've ever had. Um, and, and at times about 50. And, um, trying to figure out the questions you're supposed to ask because you don't know what to do in these things. And we're, we're like 45 minutes into it, and this, this lady says, well, do you, do you want to know the gender? She's far enough along. And, and I hadn't even thought to ask that. Like, it should be like, oh, do I want a boy or girl? That's a good first question. Uh, and she says, it's going to be a boy. And, and right when she says that, I'm, 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 it's like the journal just came straight into my forefront. And I'm remembering that moment, and I'm remembering all the moments that led up to this moment, and I knew exactly what we were going to name him, Jonathan, meaning a gift, uh, uh, resembling in, in, uh, the life that he would have. And I knew that God wanted to name him that for a number of reasons. One of them is because names have meaning, and they, they instill identity into people. What you call yourself, even beyond your first, middle, and last name, it says something about you. We're saying something about him at that moment. And the Bible is very clear throughout it that names signify identity. Names have meaning. 
In fact, the first, one of the first jobs that was ever given in the Bible was to a guy named Adam. First man, you know, Adam, Eve, fig leaves, all that kind of stuff. Uh, he, he tells Adam, I want you to take care of this garden, and I want you to have dominion over the animals. And, and so he, Adam uh, is trying to fulfill his jobs. And the first, one of the first things it says that God does in Genesis chapter 2 is he, he begins to bring the animals to Adam, and Adam names the animals. The so first job is to bring identity to these animals. And the thing about these animals is that because they're animals, they can't argue with the identity that is given to them. They can't argue with the name that is given to them. Did you know that that is our relationship with Jesus? It's a relationship with Father God. Is he says things about us. He gives us names. He gives us identity. And in in, in spite of how our life is lived, we can't argue, debate, or give question to the things that he says about us. We can at times not live up to them. We can at times resist them, but we can't question them because what he says is a greater truth than the facts that our lives begin to tell us about ourselves. The truth that he speaks about us is greater than the past that you've experienced, the present you've experienced, or the future that you will experience. He says things about you and me that we, uh, cannot, we cannot debate. It's just an eternal truth. He went through a, a few different people uh, throughout the Old and New Testament, and, and he gave these moments where he, he changed people's names. There's these moments where he changed their name, and by changing their name, he made a shift in their lifestyle and a, sh and a shift in their uh, uh, destiny. First one was a guy named Abram. Abram, uh, was, his name was Eternal Father, Exalted Father. And Abram had this call on his life that he was supposed to uh, have, have uh, birthed these nations that we know of today as, as Israel. Abram became an old man who was uh, well advanced in years, way past the years of child rearing, the Bible says, and he has this encounter with God that God says, hey, that thing that I said about you, that thing that your name represents is still true today, even though physically it couldn't and shouldn't happen. You're an exalted father. And not only that, but the nations will be birthed from you. And to signify that change and that uh, of calling, I'm going to change your name from Abram to Abraham, meaning the father of many nations. And he kind of laughed at it. And it was probably weird to tell his friends, hey, I, I've got a new name. Because if you've ever been around somebody who's given themselves a nickname, it's kind of awkward and doesn't really carry the weight of somebody who gets a nickname through circumstances. But he changes his name. And... Uh, and that change of name, and as he begins to say that name, it, it, it starts to remind him, hey, I'm called to much more than I'm living out right now. And then there's a guy named Simon in the New Testament. Simon uh, was a disciple of Christ, and uh, Simon uh, means listener. Uh, it, it's kind of like somebody who, who absorbs a lot of information but doesn't get it. And, and it's, kind of, it's, it's a little bit like a definition of a teenager, uh, but, but where they just hear a lot of stuff, but you know it's not really clicking yet. And you know, it will someday. Uh, parents, it will. I was a youth pastor for long enough to know it clicks. They turn out okay. And they turn out, you know, they do great things. But, uh, but his name basically meant somebody who kind of absorbed information, but it never really clicked. And, and he has this moment with... Uh, he has this moment with Jesus. Some think he's around 17 years old. 
when he started following Jesus. And he has this moment where Jesus asks him, hey, who do people say that I am? Well, some people say you're a prophet. Some people say, you know, you're this guy or that guy. And, and he says, listen, who do you say I am? And it clicked finally. It clicked in Peter. You're, you're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. You're the one we've been waiting for for hundreds of years. And at that moment of it clicking, of he got it, God looks at him and says, I'm going to change your name at this moment. No longer are you Simon, somebody who just hears information but doesn't really get it. Now you're Peter. You're a rock. You're someone I can build on and build with. And there's a shift in his identity, a shift in his calling. There's also this guy, uh, Jacob. Sometimes we have names and identities that we have to live up to. You know, they're reputations that are hard to live up to. We don't really feel adequate to, but people think that about us. And other times there's identities and reputations we have to live down. Jacob was one of those. His name meant deceiver. If you look at the early part of his life, he was always trying to scheme his way into getting blessed and accumulating more. And he has this moment where he has this wrestling match with God. And I think about it in a similar way that I I have wrestling matches with my 17-month-old where I lay on the ground and I let him just kind of flop, flop on top of me, and he starts laughing, and he starts, ah! And, you know, we're wrestling, but at any moment, I could really just flip over and just do whatever, because I'm stronger than him, but I, I let him think for the moment that he's, he's winning in his 17-month-old brain. I think that wrestling match with Jacob and God was probably something like that. Jacob assumes that he's winning, uh, and, and God lets him uh, think that for a minute and says, what do you want? And Jacob says, I want your blessing. God responds by saying, you have it. You're no longer going to be known as Jacob the deceiver. I'm going to call you Israel. You are Israel. And out of you will come the 12 tribes. Of the, you know, he begins, his name meant something. But it was a shift. Jacob does what a good father should. And he, he allows his ceilings to become kind of the foundation for the next generation. He allows what he struggles with to, to be something that his kids are not going to have to struggle with. And, and I want to take you to, to Genesis chapter 35. Genesis chapter 35, it's on the screen. If you want to turn there, you can. If not, it's, it's right here. But Genesis 35 says, then they, they, meaning Jacob and his wife Rachel, moved on from Bethel. And while they were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth and have great difficulty. And as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, don't despair for you have another son. As she breathed her last, for she was dying, she named her son Ben-Oni, which it means son of my trouble, son of my pain. Out of her pain, she identifies and gives an identity to her son of, you are the one who caused me this. I'm going to, for the rest of your life, you're going to have a reminder of what you did to me. But her, her, her husband, ben, ben, Ben's father, looks and says this, this last line. is so, maybe overlooked at times, but so important. It says, but his father named him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand or son of my favor. Son of my authority. The right hand throughout the Bible is, it signifies somebody who has the favor 
of the, of the person whose right hand it is. And he's saying, I'm not going to let pain identify you for the rest of your life. You're going to be known as son of my favor. And this picture right here is a great picture of our relationship with our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven had to watch the one he was most closely unified with, Jesus. He had to watch him die because of our sin, because of our our injustice, because of the things that we have done. He had to watch the one he was closest to die at our hands, and yet he still turns to us and he says, I'm not going to identify you with what you caused my son to go through. I'm going to call you my my favored one. I'm going to call you my son, my daughter. I'm going to call you the one that has my authority and my favor. Come to my right hand so I can walk with you for the rest of your life, and you can know what it is to have a father who believes believes in you in spite of what your life has told you you should be. And that's the father that we have in heaven. And that moment, that moment, Rachel did what a lot of us do, and that's let our pain dictate what we say. And we let our pain put walls around us that God never would. And we let pain kind of give us an identity that, that God would never give us. And we, we speak out of our pain while God's looking at us and saying, no, you were never meant to be called that. Why are you saying that about yourself? We tend to identify ourselves with our pain and our weakness. God tends to identify with what he sees in our future. Because he has a greater view of our life than we could ever imagine. In fact, in, in Isaiah chapter 46, it says that he sees the end from the beginning. He knows the span of your life, and he doesn't know just the events of your life. He knows the span of your motives. He knows the span of your sin. He knows the span of your weaknesses and your strengths. He knows the span of your giftings and how they come out in different parts of your life. And, and he knows all of that from the, the end from the beginning. And he says, let me walk with you and show you who you really are. Who we become is, should be a, almost a daily pursuit of, of exploration, of, of asking questions, of, of wondering and, and looking to God. And, and I don't know if you're like me, but I struggle with it all the time. I, I wake up some mornings and wonder, you know, uh, am I a good enough husband? Am I a good enough father? Am I a good enough friend? I haven't texted any of my friends in like three weeks. And they're like, am I good, am I good enough? Am I a good enough Christian? And in, instead of identifying myself with what God says, I tend to, I tend to identify myself with what I do and, the, and how I measure up and the things that I do throughout my, my week. And in those moments, you know, you could go to a, a myriad of places throughout the Bible that, that could I, uh, kind of reaffirm what God says. But the one place that I, uh, I go to more often than not is a place I want to go to uh, today. And it's Ephesians chapter 1. So if you have your Bible, it's not going to be on the screen. But if you have your Bible, you can go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians was written to a, uh, a group of people a lot like us. It was written to more of a, 
um, a city life type people. It was a fast-moving culture where they could easily be distracted by uh, what, what they learned through the disciples and their, their pastors of the day and what they read in the Old Testament because the New Testament wasn't written. So some of this they had to actually learn from the Old Testament, which is crazy to think for those of us who don't understand the Old Testament at times. Uh, the, they were learning from the Old Testament, but, but it was written to these people and, and and in the midst of their busyness, Paul wants to remind them who they are and what they're called to do. He's writing this to the church who has a tendency to waver on who they'd become. And I want to just go over a few of these statements to remind us who we are. Because I, I don't know if you know, there's another in Colossians, there's this, there's this verse that says that we're hidden in Christ. Meaning that when, when the Father sees us, he sees what Jesus has done on our behalf. He is, he's aware of our weaknesses. He knows all things. He has all knowledge. But when you stand before him in prayer, he's not looking at your weakness and he's not looking at your sin. He's looking at at Jesus. In fact, it's crazy to think, but, but did you know that Jesus loves you as much, or God loves you as much as he loves his son, Jesus? The Father, the one who calls you by name, he sees you and he loves you as much as when he looks at Jesus sitting there in intercession for us for all of eternity. Something that, that should lift our ability to believe in ourselves, not because of what we've done, but what he's done for us. And verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 1, it says, For he chose us in him before the cre uh, creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. I like that part, in his sight. Because uh, God chooses to see what he wants to see. He doesn't choose to see the unholiness that we lived out throughout the week. He doesn't choose to see all the things that could bring blame to us, to the, about us to the Father. He chooses to see what Jesus did on our behalf. And he says that you're holy. Another way to say holy is like you're consistent through the whole of your life. There's not a, I'm this way on Sunday and this way on Monday. There's not a, I'm this way in the home and this way in the workplace. There's a consistency, and that consistency is that uh, should be moving more and more towards, I look more like Jesus every day because I'm set aside for his work. And it says that we're blameless. We're blameless in a culture that has... At, access 24-7 to give us blame. And it'll come through our Twitter feed and our Instagrams and our Snapchats and social media. It'll come through your cell phone as people can text you at every time of the night. It'll come through our own thoughts and our own ideas. It'll come through things that we can save digitally or in the recesses of our hearts. But people have a way to blame us for things that we did or did not do. Our past has a way of blaming us for things that we did or did not do. Satan himself has ways to blame us for what we do and do not do. We ourselves can blame ourselves, and yet Paul writes to a people to remind them 
In Christ, you're blameless. In Christ, you don't have to worry about it. Hide in him. Hide in his presence. Hide in the identity he gives you. He's holy and blameless. In verse 5, it says, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with the pleasure of his will, or his pleasure and will. You're adopted. When we, when we adopted Jonathan, my son, we adopted him with full resolve that we're going to love him no matter who he became, uh, who, he, who he would grow up to be. And he could be the next Billy Graham or he could be the next Menendez brother, and we would still choose to love him. Younger people Google Menendez brothers later. Um, 90s reference. Uh, I will love that kid regardless for the rest of his life. Parents, I'm sure you know that feeling. But I don't know how he's going to turn out. God adopts us with full knowledge of who we're going to turn out to be. Whether we turn out bad or good. He knows our weaknesses, our strengths. He knows it all, and yet he says, I, I choose you. I'm going to adopt you. I want you to be my son, my daughter. Come into my house. Have full range of the kitchen. Go through my fridge. Sleep in my bed. Drink all the Kool-Aid or the Sunny D or the purple stuff. You're my kid. And bring people along with you. You're adopted. Verse 7 also says, In him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins. Meaning he's going to take all the messy parts of our life and he's going to make them into something good. Do you have mess in your life? I hope I'm not the only one. But I know that God's going to make something good out of it. Not because of me, because of what Jesus has done. If you need some homework for the week, I, I would highly recommend you go through the book of Ephesians. Find every place that it says in him or in Jesus, in Christ. Underline them, write them in a list, and remind yourself of those things on a daily basis. We have to know what he says about us. We are stewards of our identity. The identity that God gave us, we are to steward, we are to manage, we are to maintain that image, that identity. We are to be people who know who we are in him. We have been called to do that every day. Part of it is going into our Bibles, and we're going to find out who we are by just reading the Bible. It's full of statements that are probably contrary to the way you feel about your life. But when you feel like it's contrary to the way you live your life, you begin to mold your life into what the Bible says about you. Because remember that what God says is greater than the facts of your life. What God says is, is greater than the truth that you live in right now. We go into the Bible, we find out what it is, and then we, we have moments with the Holy Spirit in prayer, or throughout the day as we're listening to him. The Bible, or Jesus, as, as he's leaving the earth, he tells his disciples, go. And, and as you go, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And he's going to remind you of all of the things that I have taught you. And the same that's true with the Holy Spirit is, is true of us today. 
that he's given us the Holy Spirit to remind us of what Jesus says about us. And so throughout the day, if you feel that nudge of, I shouldn't say this about that person, or I shouldn't believe this about myself, and and he'll kind of maybe nudge you at times where it just doesn't feel as right anymore to say what we've said for the last, you know, umpteen years, that's the Holy Spirit reminding you, hey, change, change your word, change your belief. Change, change who you believe that you are. But then also we're called to call out that identity in other people. We live in community for a reason. And you might not always be able to pull yourself up in the Holy Spirit. But somebody else is coming right alongside of you, reminding you. Don't be alone. Because the second we're alone, we start to get in our own head and believe things that we would never want to vocalize with our words. We're called to call out the identity in other people. Fathers, you're called, I should just say husbands, because just men of the house, you're called to steward the identity of your house. You're called to set the tone of what's allowed to be said about the people that enter into your home. And how, it's just, it's not, I mean, like, this is, God has put you in a place to be the steward of the atmosphere of your home. And today can be a day where that changes. If, if you find yourself thinking, oh, I'm not a great steward of that, or maybe I'm the problem, today is a day where you can change. Kids, and I got feedback on this, that this is the, the painful one, but kids um, of all ages, if you have parents, you're, you're a child of somebody, you're called to honor and to steward the identity of those who gave life to you. That might mean that you say things about them that God would say but they don't live up to. But which one of us have lived up to what God has said about us in the first place? We're called to be stewards of our, our, uh, uh, the people, the identity of the people around us. That's why we live in community. But it's, it's not easy. And sometimes we have to have those moments where the names that have been given to us, the names we've believed, the names we've called ourselves, the names we've allowed others to call, call us, the, the day has to come where we begin to see a change where we shift what we allow ourselves to believe, where we shift what we believe about other people. And for us today, today is a day of shifting. And if you're in this place and, and maybe you, you would say that, that there's some things that I believe about myself that I don't think God would ever believe about me, today is a day to choose truth over fact to choose what he says as the greater reality and don't allow your past to define you. Don't allow your pain to define you. Don't allow your family to define you. Don't allow an ex to define you. Let the truth of God's word define you. And we're going to go back into worship in, in just a second. In fact, if you, want to, if you want to stand to your feet, we're going to go back into worship for just a moment. And for those of us who would say, today is a day that I need, I need a shift in what I believe about myself, I want, I want us to begin to take what we've heard today and begin to declare it back to God. I want us to begin to take what we would think God would say about us and begin to sing it out, declare it, 
pray it and begin to, to let the devil and your own mind know that today is a day of change. You bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a moment. I want to I wanna pray for us before we go into worship. God, there's a, a, a long...